Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. The pilots, the cabin crew, uh, passengers of a Pivot Airlines Canada charter flight to the Dominican Republic last month are being detained. And the crew have been jailed in what the CEO of Pivot Airlines calls a, quote, horrific detention center, end quote. Eric Edmondson uh, also states the crew's lives have been threatened. Now, after finding suspected contraband, so 200 kilograms, I understand, of cocaine, stored on the aircraft, the pivot crew contacted Dominican Republic authorities, who subsequently jailed the crew and the passengers. So now Pivot and the Airline Pilots Association are warning against travel to the Dominican Republic. The CEO of Pivot Airlines joins us, Eric Edmondson. Mr. Edmondson, thank you for taking the time. What's the condition of your crew today? Hi, Roy. Thanks for thanks for having me. A uh, very important topic to us. So uh, the condition of our crew is they have been released on bail. Um, it, it's a it's still a very very serious situation for them. We have them under uh, 24/7 security. Uh, they are they are housed together. We we have to move them every so often as there are still credible threats against them. And understand that in your intro you said that they contacted the Dominican Republic authorities, which they did through our dispatch office in Toronto. Uh, but as importantly, they also contacted the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, as is our international procedure. And, you know, they, they have been now widely described in the Dominican as having um, informed the police of the narcotics. And, of course, that's a, an extremely serious situation when you're detained with uh, suspected narcotics smugglers and you're a crew member who informed on those smugglers. Yeah, so the back it up a little bit for us, Mr. Edmondson. Can you just back it up? And just for listeners who haven't heard the whole story, just tell us what happened. How did this come to be? Sure. Uh, so on March 31st, we conducted a, a charter from Toronto to Punta Cana. Um, it was going to be a five-day layover, so we brought that first crew home on an airline. The second crew entered the Dominican Republic uh, down on a commercial flight on April the 4th for an April the 5th departure. And that crew also included a, a, a maintenance mechanic who uh, was, was part of the five-person crew. On the day of the departure, while they were doing their routine checks, our maintenance office in Toronto had requested a, a mechanic to enter an avionics bay, which is a, a, a pretty small bay underneath the belly of the aircraft to retrieve a maintenance code on a computer that they wanted to have um, in Toronto. When he entered that bay, he saw what he thought uh, or what he identified as a, a suspicious package, and that ended up being um, what we now know as narcotics. But at the time, uh, he couldn't identify it as if it was uh, you know, a bomb, uh, arms, narcotics, or, or what have you. He promptly took a picture of it and informed the captain, and then the captain informed the uh, the two authorities, both the Dominican and the Canadian authorities. Okay, so so now they're, they're taken off the plane, or they're off the plane, and did they get arrested right away? How did they end up in, in detention in the Dominican Republic? Well, that that is a bit of a mystery for us, and we have no uh, straight answers from the Dominican Republic authorities on that. They they had um, been cooperating with the authorities throughout that afternoon. 
showing them, you know, the aircraft and helping them access all sorts of panels, like you can imagine on a, a commercial airliner, um, searching the aircraft and uh, and putting it back together. Uh, then we lost contact with them for about six hours, and uh, we found out that they had been uh, shackled, taken off to uh, to a detention center that is meant for, uh, I mean, they have such a problem down there. They have a special detention center just for narcotics criminals. So in that detention center, as I understand it, their lives were threatened, and I'm suspecting because they alerted authorities to the package, yes? Yes. I mean, I, I, I can't... I can't speculate as to why. I believe the reason was that uh, they had by then publicly been identified as informants. Um, this was, you know, $25 million worth of cocaine that they prevented from entering the streets of Canada. The, the abuse, um, you know, was, was rampant, beginning from the fact that they wouldn't let them change out of their pilot uniforms. Now, you can imagine uh, being in a detention center for narcotic smugglers and having to dress in a professional uniform. Uh, a few days later, they did allow them to change their pilot uniforms because they stripped them naked and they had to remain uh, naked. We have uh, we had to buy them food, as is normal in, in the Dominican, and the, the food and or the money that we were giving them uh, kept disappearing, so they went three days without food. They had constant threats and, um, and you know, not only verbal attacks, but, but physical abuse from other inmates. And it was, uh, you know, it was a, a horrific detention for them. Now, I should say we have one female flight attendant who uh, was kept in a different facility for females. And, and by all accounts, she had a, a more, uh, quote unquote, traditional uh, incarceration. Hmm. So, as I understand it, so bail was granted. Now the prosecutors are challenging the bail. They want your crew back in prison. Their lives will be threatened. You've been concerned that if they go back to prison, you think it could be a one-way trip, that you'll never see them again. Um, so, so the Dominican Republic authorities are not being open with you about what's going to happen next, I gather. What's the worst-case scenario that could happen? How long could they be potentially incarcerated if they're if the system finds them guilty? Well... In, under Dominican law, you can be held for 12 months during what they have classified this case as being complex. And, um, you know, the, part of the problem is uh, for us and, and for the families and the people that are involved is that there has been no evidence, not one piece of evidence presented to date, including and shockingly in the appeal documentation. One would think if you're going to appeal the judge's decision to release on bail, that you would either point to an error in law, which they did not, or that you would point to evidence that has come to light since that decision, and the prosecutor failed to do that as well. So we are we are uh, entirely comfortable that this is just another tactic to to intimidate and coerce our crew and make them uncomfortable, and perhaps even purposely endanger their lives. Okay, what's the Canadian government doing for you? Uh, the Canadian government has been uh, responsive in, in some ways. We have had open dialogue with various departments of the government. Uh, our, our efforts through foreign affairs have been uh, somewhat uh, disappointing. We think that they've given us uh, decent support at the embassy level. Uh, what we want them to do is 
is first and foremost repatriate our crew who um, who have had no evidence of their involvement in this uh, supposed crime. They've had they reported the incident as is international uh, policy and followed all international and local laws. And uh, there's no reason for them to be uh, in this situation. We want the government to step in and help. But we also want the Canadian government to issue a, tra- a stronger travel advisory. There are some one million Canadians that travel to the Dominican Republic, and they should be made aware that there is no due process being afforded to our crew. They should be aware that there is no whistleblower protection. These people were not, were not just you know, out on the street and witnessed a crime. They were doing their jobs and reported their jobs uh, by every international standard or reported what they what they uh, thought was a crime by every international standard and they ended up being arbitrarily detained and every canadian traveler should reconsider travel to the dominican republic yeah well i'm glad to be able to share that message with my listeners across the country and uh, the federal government of canada doesn't always have the best record of helping canadians who are in difficulty overseas i hope they step up for your crew and uh, and i'm sure that we and the media in this country will do uh, do our bit. Now, Mr. Edmondson, thank you for uh, thank you for spending the time with us. Uh, it has to be extremely alarming to you. I I'm going to be speaking with a former Air Canada captain in a few minutes who's been listening to our conversation. He's also a lawyer and he has great concerns. All right, Captain Raymond Hall. He's a retired Air Canada captain, also former RCAF pilot. He's also a lawyer and uh, is very familiar with international realities. Raymond, as you, uh, thanks for joining. So as you listen to uh, Mr. Edmondson explain the situation with his crew, what's going through your mind? Well, my primary concern is the vulnerability of any flight crew that travels to these uh, Caribbean countries. Uh, the systems of uh, the legal systems there are not the same as the legal systems in Canada, the United States, and Britain. And one could wind up in a situation like that. Uh, having done absolutely nothing wrong. I think it's important to remember, uh, as Mr. Edmondson said, a separate crew took that aircraft into Putacana. They went home, and five days later, after the aircraft had sat on the ground for five days and five nights, a new crew was brought in. They arrived the day before the flight, uh, and they probably arrived at the airport to take that flight out not more than an hour or so before it was scheduled to leave. So they would have had no contact whatsoever with the aircraft while it was sitting on the ground. In the normal inspections of these aircraft, uh, in when a pilot does a external inspection to make sure that there's no damage to the aircraft, the only thing that they would look at is the uh, security of the door that would close that compartment that is accessible only from the ground. The flight attendants and the passengers would have absolutely no knowledge that that compartment even existed or that it could possibly carry any contraband. The pilots wouldn't inspect it. I have never inspected the E&E bay as a matter of course in my 20-some thousand hours of flying, uh, other than to ensure that the compartment door is closed. So this is a, an anomaly. There's absolutely zero probability that, these, that this flight crew, being a different flight crew than what took the air, that, that took the aircraft in, as opposed to taking it out of the, potentially out of the country, uh, would know anything about what was stored there. So they're in a situation now where it would appear that the government is looking for a scapegoat, and they're subjected to the 
circumstances of that particular legal system, which is substantially different from what we're used to here. Okay, what's very interesting, what you just said, is that compartment is not accessible from inside the plane. You have to access it from outside the aircraft. In so, some aircraft, they are accessible, but that aircraft is a very small aircraft, and I, uh, my understanding is that it's only accessible from the outside. Okay, so if you're going to put a package into that airplane, and you just arrived at the uh, at the aircraft an hour or two, whatever the time frame was, you're saying it's very brief, then it would have been obvious if somebody of uh, the flight crew had been stuffing packages into that into that compartment. My understanding is that there were five gym bags that had over 200 kilograms. They did not bring five gym bags with 200 kilograms of cocaine from their hotel where they stayed from the day that they arrived before. They obviously didn't do that. So there is absolutely no evidence, as Mr. Edmondson suggested, that this crew had anything to do with the uh, circumstances of that flight. What are you afraid of? I mean, what, what concerns you most about the situation going forward? Well, historically, countries like the Dominican Republic have had very, very bad reputations. The World Justice Institute, for example, has a a listing of uh, the sequence of rule of law uh, rankings. There are 139 countries on the list, and the Dominican Republic ranks 97. Canada ranks number 12. United States ranks number 16. So rule of law guarantees the individuals the right to uh, habeas corpus, the right to be present, to be represented by counsel, uh, and uh, uh, to be dealt with uh, through the principles of fundamental justice, which means a, uh, a speedy trial and a thorough investigation and release if there's no basis for detaining. So what you've got in that country is an absence of almost all of those characteristics. In fact, the majority of people in prison in the uh, Dominican Republic have been there for over a year without charges, without trial. And, uh, of course, there are less than seemly characters in some of those institutions as well. So that's my concern. There is a bit of a light at the end of the tunnel, Roy. The, uh, the government changed hands in uh, 2020. Uh, the current president, Mr. Luis Abinader, uh, replaced uh, the uh, party that uh, represented the party, replaced the previous one that had been there for 16 years, that had been involved with this, uh, considerable corruption. He won election on a campaign of stamping out corruption and improving the economy. And he is a Harvard-trained uh, economist, uh, master's degrees in, in several subjects, and he is also a very wealthy individual that wants to see that country change. So there is a hope there. I think in terms of the diplomatic relations, uh, my understanding is that the um, uh, deputy, the parliamentary secretary to the Minister of External Affairs actually went to the Dominican Republic to talk to the, to the consular corps down there and to the, uh, the Dominican uh, uh, personnel that they're, they're counterpart. Right. But I think we need to go to a higher level. I, need, yeah, I think we need to get to the, to the, from the prime minister to the president. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.